1: welcome back everyone to wrestling with freddy and today's episode isn't even it's not the past it's not even the current product it's the future i did an interview on the ariel helwani show where i had mentioned uh, one of my dreams which is now a plan was to start my own small little indie wrestling federation and we'll go into what my goals with that are but a lot of wrestling fans saw it, some of you thought I was full of crap, some of you really believed in the idea, but we got so much feedback that we're going to deep dive into the plan and the philosophy behind it, and I'm going to share way more with you than I'm probably even comfortable sharing, minus the financials, and we're going to get it started right now. Welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Freddie.
2: Now, stepping up to the mic, the host of Wrestling with Freddie, Freddie Prince Jr
1: all right you guys so a few months ago i was on the mma hour with ariel helwani who i like very much i think he sells the sport of mixed martial arts very well and he's randomly a huge wrestling fan and if you go back a few episodes he was a guest on here He's a really good part of our family over here. And he talked about being at the actual Montreal screwdriver with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, because he is a French Canadian. We were having a conversation, and I had never really spoken publicly about it before, but it had been a dream of mine for a long time. And and uh I'll tell you kind of how that dream came to pass right now. Cause you can watch all the Ariel stuff on his channel. Nobody really knows this, but I almost became a showrunner for Another wrestling federation whose name I will not say. A friend of mine who financed the company asked me to come help them try and get a, a TV deal. So I was happy to help. I love wrestling. I love the person who had this promoter's back and, and was financing the company. I have, a lot of, I have a lot of respect for this person. And so when they ask me for something, which is very rare, it's an easy yes for me. Uh, There's someone I like doing favors for, and I don't feel they ask enough. So I came in, no contract, no money, no anything, and saw their product, saw the good stuff, saw what I thought I could improve, and had another conversation with the financier. I met the promoter, by the way, it was an old school promoter. The promoter was very professional and and polite to me. Looked me in the eye when we shook hands, that kind of stuff, and then started selling me on on their their brand. And it was an oversell to, to my eyeball anyway. And there was no need to oversell it. I feel people should always be very straightforward when dealing with, with other professionals in this, in the same industry, that being show business. Not that I'm a wrestling expert, but I, I do know what quality television and quality film is. So I tried to relax him and put him at ease and, and well, now you know, it's a guy and, and tell him that, uh, that I was, you know, a fan of the product and, and all this stuff. And I mentioned where I thought I could help um, who I knew that I thought could, would come in and, and be friendly to us and help improve, you know, everything from our on-camera stuff to putting some credibility on commentating, to training, to, to all kinds of things. Not that I would train, but I knew, you know, some of the best wrestling trainers in the business because I treated them with respect, the Chavos of the world that have trained a lot of people. So, and I wanted the good people to work. So I didn't, push on anything. I knew I was there just for story stuff. And, and so I started breaking it down. And then I started being very honest about how Hollywood perceives the wrestling business. And it's not favorable and it hasn't been favorable in a very long time, or they would have pulled a ton more professional wrestlers and lured them with, with money and Beverly Hills and, and girls named Beverly and and everything. And guys named Beverly. Whatever you desire is here in Hollywood. They can steal you away. They've done it countless times. John Cena used to talk smack about The Rock for being a part timer, and then Hollywood said, "Oh, I'm sorry, you talk crap about the biggest star in the world. How would you like to be one as well?" Yes, yes, I would. And he pieced out. So it's it's a foul temptress, but it can be a it can be a beautiful temptress at the same time if you already know who you are. So. We talked about what I thought needed to be done for TV based on conversations that I've already had with executives. And I said, look, I don't have the connections that I had in the nineties when I was hot shit, but, but the, the relationships that I, that I had, I've, there's only one producer I've worked with that I really wouldn't work with. Again, I have solid relationships. I'm always pro always on time, always knew my shit, never was a drug addict. So I didn't cause any problems. There was no reason for people not to dig me. So the people who had advanced up and were in positions of authority now to say, yes, some of them were my friends or at least acquaintances. So I said, here's the three places that I could take us to. And he said, I have a friend who may be getting a promotion at this other place as well. I said, cool. If it happens, let's let's go there too. So we set up the three meetings and all three, and I want to write a pilot for them. As I say, look you have you're gonna have to have something they're gonna want to see something because they don't know wrestling no well, we don't we don't really write it like that we don't we don't write the w w e way I said I don't have to write it the w w e way I just want to show them a format so they can understand how long the show is, how long the matches are, what the backstage is. he goes, well, you can just pitch it, you're a great pitcher, and I think he did like me for that, but he really just wanted my name to help sell his show, which we found out down the road so We go into the first meeting and it was, I believe the first one was at the CW. And the gentleman that I knew there was Mark Pedowitz. See, I'm comfortable saying this. And Mark was one of the original execs on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like way back in the day. And he runs the CW. And his business model is what keeps the CW afloat. It's how they can afford to make all their DC shows, whether you think they're good or not. They have a very, he came from their business affairs department. So he was a lawyer negotiating contracts, which is not usually a guy that i like. But he knows that. I'm very straight up about it. And they have a crazy uh, contract structure there as well. But those actors are still making way more than wrestlers. So as far as budget and what these these wrestlers would be paid, because it wouldn't be a license deal like USA license Monday Night Raw. They don't own Monday Night Raw. So this would still be on the cheap for them, an affordable show. They say, we don't want a script. So we go in, we pitch it, and the promoter takes over the pitch. I'm about maybe 4 minutes in and he and he and he takes over the pitch and so I stop talking it, it doesn't work if we're both talking at the same time and he goes and he goes and it's about 15 minutes in and I see I see Mark shaking his not shaking his head but it's an internal head shake I've known the guy 20 plus years and I see the other execs and I know when they're tuning out on a pitch because I've had plenty of bad ones myself <laughs> and so he finally finishes up And the last thing you want to have happen at the end of a pitch is say, well, thank you. We'll be in touch. That means that sucked and we don't want it. It doesn't mean your idea sucks. It just means they think it sucks. If they ask questions, there's obviously interest. So I already know where this is going. And the meeting stops. And right away, uh, Mark and this other guy, I don't remember his name, in stereo, they say, well, thank you very much. We'll be in touch. And I shake my head. And we're walking out and Mark puts a hand on my shoulder and he says, hey, come back in here uh, after you say goodbye, if you can. I say, yeah, okay. So I go and I, I talk to the, the sales group, right? And uh, I say, all right, you know, the next time. And, he, and he's even apologizing. Ah, sorry, I kind of I barreled on there and you were doing great. <laughs> which He did not care if I was doing great. I think he just was looking for a door to get opened, so he could try to sell his show, right? They leave, I go back in, and Mark goes, what the hell was that? I go, <laughs> he actually didn't cuss. He, he rarely cusses. He goes, what was that, Freddie? I say, I don't know, man. It wasn't the meeting that I thought it was going to be. I said, I have a different pitch if you want to hear what I think wrestling could be, although I know you guys aren't in the market for this. He goes, well, listen, we don't want to buy a wrestling show, but let me, let me see what you got. I say, all right. So we go back, and the financier, the one who called me, who asked me for help, said, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. So-and-so's not going to do that again. Uh, please don't leave, please come to the next pitch. I say, yo, I'm not going anywhere. Don't worry. I made a commitment. We're good. So I have a good conversation or what I think was a good conversation with the promoter, and uh, I say, look, I'm not trying I'm very direct with him. I say, I'm not trying to steal your your show. I don't have a contract. I get no money if we sell this. None, not a, not a single dollar. I just want to put my friend in a position for this type of wrestling to succeed because look how generic I'm being because I believe in this type of wrestling so stupid and uh he says yeah okay you know we're all on the page." so the next place won't take a pitch without a script which is what I thought so I write one up and I try to give even the wrestlers that I can't fit into the show wrestling a moment backstage a little time to shine right without telling me before we go into the pitch dude rewrites everything that I did to make it fit more what he wants. Now you can look at this two ways. This is his baby. It's his baby. And here comes this jerk with his ideas and what he feels are major changes. Even though I stayed true to every single character, I spoke with every wrestler before I wrote for them. Notice I didn't say before I made changes because I made zero. I worked with what I was given because I didn't own it. I wasn't being paid. It was a favor. So You show me what you think your best self is. And that's what I'm going to work with. I'm not going to change a thing. And I didn't. So the whole script gets rewritten. We go and we have the pitch and he lets me pitch, which was really cool. And it's a great pitch. We killed it. They seem actually into it, which I was surprised by. And this woman says, you know, Freddie, call me afterwards. So I call her and she says, hey, we're actually excited about this. I'm excited to read your, uh, your pilot. I say, yeah, cool. I go, look, it's just a temporary thing just so you can kind of see what the flavors are and, and how the show works. She goes, okay. So I get a call that night from her, which is weird. It would always be an email and it would never be that night unless it was like, oh my God, we love this and we have to buy it. In which case it would be a phone call because they'd want to avoid my lawyer. It costs them more money. So I, I say hello and I, I know who it is. And she goes, Freddie, did you write this? I said, yeah. She goes, and we have a good enough relationship. She goes, I really didn't respond to this at all. And I was like, really? What about this? The so-and-so monologue. I thought that was a promo. We call it but monologue. They call it. I go, I thought that would be right up your alley. She goes, there's no, there's no monologue at all. I did say monologue. She goes, there's no monologues at all. I go, what do you mean? She send me the script. Cause now I'm like, I already know what's happened. And everything has changed. Every single page. And I call my friend back. I go, Yo, this old man is trying to sabotage me. I don't know why. I don't have a contract with him. You don't, what? I don't I was doing a favor, but I, clearly he does not want my help. So i am a to step back. I go, if you want to read my pilot, I'll send it to you. She goes, Don't even send it to me. I'm not buying this show. I said, All right. So it's the third meeting that's coming up, and I text dude to uh to talk about the pitch and I don't hear back. And then uh I text him again it's about a week out I don't hear back. Third, fourth, fifth text nothing. I text the boss, the financier and I say, "Hey, what's going on? So I've, I've texted homeboy a few times, I, I haven't heard anything back. Our meetings in like 2 days." Or this was a text that I wrote and I get a phone call back. And she says, "Uh, Freddie, I'm really sorry. I thought he told me he was going to he was gonna to talk to you, but he doesn't he doesn't want to work with you and he's really uncomfortable. And so we're just gonna walk away. And I said, Let me ask you something. Did his friend get the promotion that he was talking about? And it's dead quiet on her end of the phone. And I literally I almost said the name. I literally go, This is insane. I said, I was doing this for free and now that he doesn't need me to get a meeting at a TV network because his friend's there. Um, he's just kicking me out. And she goes, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Da, 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 da. I go, it's all right. I go, I'm not mad at you. I go, "I, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a job anyway. Best of luck. Good luck. And they actually got a TV deal without any of my assistance whatsoever. They didn't need it. I didn't have anger when it was over because it was just more weird. And the kind of guy he was was so old school and and transparent that, I, you know, I wasn't trying to smash on the guy before or after the fact, because it's just a different, we're from different generations and neither one of us is going to change. So instead of getting angry, all that energy started like, I don't know, man. It's like, you know, when you're in a dream and you know, you're about to wake up and reality starts to slip into the context of the dream. So all of a sudden, whatever you were dreaming feels much more attainable. Does that make sense to anyone out there at all? It's happened to me a million times in my life. And I feel like it's one of the main reasons why I've never not accomplished a goal that I set my mind to ever. Everything I wanted to do in Hollywood, I did. Everything I wanted to do in wrestling, I did. I'm not even done with jujitsu, but every goal I set in jujitsu I've accomplished so far and that journey will never end. Thank God. So I started dreaming about wrestling. I started dreaming about men's wrestling, women's wrestling, bodies smashing together. Or as Biggie would say, meaty men, meaty manly men slapping meat against one another. That's what Biggie would say. Shout out to Biggie, love you. So I start having this dream. And I remember my godfather, Bob Wall, rest in peace. He said, dreams are what happens. When other people are making plans and that philosophy is one of the main reasons. no it's one of many reasons that I've been able to find success. I don't spend too much time dreaming. The moment I have the dream and I know it's something I want, I start planning. So the first thing I did was call my accountant and I said, Hey, I'm going to try to figure out how much money I need to, uh, to start a wrestling promotion and I'm going to hit you back. And he said, you better go get a job because I'm not going to let you spend any of the money that you saved up over the years for a wrestling promotion. And I respect my accountant. I called my manager. I called my agent. I said, yo man, I want to go back to work. And they said, great. Why? And I told my manager the reason why and he started laughing at me. He said, you're absolutely insane. I said, I know, man. I said, but I'll have fun doing it. I only want to work with, you know, good people. We don't have to be, you know, desperate for stuff, but let people know that I'm, that I'm hungry. And I had never worked for Netflix before. Didn't really know anyone over there. So I had like a video general meeting with them and it went well. And they offered me this romantic comedy. Of course, it's, it's always a romantic comedy. If if it's for me, if it's, if I audition for your movie, it's an action movie, or like, I'm a, I am want to be a tough guy or something like that. If it's sweetie, sweet cakes, then they're like, oh, man, give that crap to Freddie. So I read this script and it's charming as all hell. It's a Latino family. And you got to remember, that's always been something I've been insecure about. Because my father was half, so I'm only a quarter, right? So I was never really fully accepted, I felt. By a lot of the Latino community. I think I've touched on this before. It used to be called the NCLR, the National Council for La Raza, and now it's something different. But screw those guys straight up. I told them I didn't speak Spanish on purpose just to hear what they would say about me and my father, and they said it all, baby. So anytime I get an opportunity like that, and it isn't often, at least. A lot of times they'll change the name after the fact, like on 24, his name was not Cole Ortiz. Cole is not a Latino name. His name was like Cole McGuire. And they're like, oh, look, we hired Freddie and this will look like we're a diverse show. Ha ha. It's Ortiz. And that's what Hollywood does. That's diversity for them. Everyone's white until you hire someone that's not. And then you change the name. So (laughs) anyway, um, I take this, this job, I meet with the director, female director, Who I just, her name's Gabriela, and I just fell in love with her, man. She gave me some of the, granted, I hadn't worked in forever, so notes weren't fresh in my head, but some of the things she said to me just unlocked a ton of shit. I got to work with this great actress, Amy Garcia. You guys know her from that show, Lucifer. She plays the nerd. She basically plays Shakira in this movie and is like sexy and the opposite of her character on Lucifer. She's just a, a stone assassin, and she's partners with AJ, who we've had on this show. They're two crazy Puerto Rican girls and they're riding partners. And I swear in 10 years, they're going to be running the business.
2: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex Dedicated Card Member
0: Entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
3: I love sharing positive tips with my listeners on everything from health challenges to relationship troubles. Because life happens, baby, but you got this. Hi there. I'm Honey German, and I know we can all use some positive energy these days. That's why I make sure to empower my community
2: Terms and conditions apply.
1: I'm doing this movie and it's making me fall in love with acting again. And as hungry as I was getting to act again, it never outweighed the desire to start the promotion. So, long winded story. Notice I didn't say long story short because that was not short. Here's the plan I was talking with Sam Roberts who has a lovely podcast as well. The Sam Roberts show, last true professional in the damn business. And he mentioned GCW. He goes, you have to watch it. They tell a story every single show and it's great. He goes, they're going to have some stuff that, that you don't vibe with. And they're going to have some stuff that you love. I know it. I go, okay. So I watch a GCW show. And sure enough, I see a death match and I'm freaked. I like, it's just too much. It was too much blood for me. Right too much and there's room for blood in wrestling i believe that it's a, it's a big a big part and it wasn't every match in gcw which was smart but i was not i was not prepared <laughs> i watched the rest of the show and i thought they did a great job and i started watching other shows older shows old ring of honor i started listening to jim cornette and his philosophies on wrestling I started listening to other promoters and people in the business and their philosophies on wrestling I started watching what other wrestlers were trying to do. I started asking everyone I knew in the business questions. Then I started looking at arenas locally here and and what it would cost to rent them. And then as I saw what my opportunities would be in this business, as there would be more of them after I did the Netflix one, I started saying, well, I can accelerate the plan. or. I could keep the plan as it is, do a couple more of these, and own the space, which I believe right now is the plan that I'm going to execute. I've already have a commercial realtor that I know and love. She's already looking at properties for me. I would love to have a full-time home for this. The plan was originally a two-year plan. Now I should have the money for a three-year plan, meaning it doesn't have to make money for three years <laughs> before I'm like, yo, man, I got to go do another damn movie. I have to be in Scooby. I almost said mother trucking. I have to be in Scooby part seven or some crap like that to keep it flowing. So, uh, So I started looking for properties. And then social media did what social media does, which is like feeding frenzy, right? It's like bait in the water. And there's a lot of, of wrestling Instagram pages and websites out there that do dirt sheets and wrestling news and things like that. And they need content. And so they picked up on this and put it out. And then all of a sudden, all these like indie wrestlers and indie refs and indie musicians who have done wrestling stuff all started reaching out. And before I get into this, let me say something. Whether you were being real with me or whether you were trying to troll and crap on me, Thank you. Some of you wrote some stuff that was like you took the time to not only say, hey, man, I would love to come and be a part, but here's some wrestlers that I respect. And I think you would too. And for you to take the time to do that, and it's not just one cat that did that. That's the most beautiful part of the wrestling community to me. I love that. That's what acting used to be. I think I may have told this story, but I did a movie with Peter Sidequest. I did a movie with Peter Falk, who was amazing. People know him as Colombo, but this guy was doing Cassavetti's movies in the 70s, man. He's just a gangster actor. And he was talking to me one time on on the ride to work. We would take the same van to work every day. It was in New York City. We were both staying at the Essex House Hotel, and he would make me buy him his true 100 cigarettes at like two o'clock in the morning. The guy would just light one off the other as it was going out. And he would run scenes with me over and over. I was a young, naive, inexperienced actor and he was investing so much time in me. So I'd buy the this cat cigarettes. I would light in court for the guy. He was giving me film school 101 in three months and I was getting four years of an education, right? But he used to tell me about how it used to be how Freddie uh he said, uh do you and your acting class, you know, do you get together, do you talk do this? Do you do that? It, it was always like a family for me and 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 Nick and John. He's talking about these legends. And I had to look him in the face and just be like, nah, man, it's it's not like that. It's cutthroat and everybody's ready to, to kill each other for a job. And he looked so disappointed. I never saw him long for the past. He was a life through the windshield guy. At least that's what he tried to impart on me. Always look forward, Freddie. Always look forward. And so when I see that in the wrestling world and I've met so many cool cats, man, so many of you are awesome. And for the ones that talk trash for real, thank you. Like that motivates me way more than people saying you can do it. (laughs) Like I would much rather say some, have someone say you suck. That'll never happen. That way. When it does, you just have to sit in that like it's there every week on TV and you have to know that, everything you said was dead wrong. <laughs> that to me has always been way more fun for both parties, I think, because then at least you're getting to watch more wrestling. So thank you. That said, I'm not hiring anyone yet. I'm not hiring anyone yet. So if your friends ask you if this story's true, you tell them yes. And then you send them the link to this episode so that you don't have to have the 30 minute, 30 minute explanation as to win. So I plan on having this thing up and running in 18 months. That's my plan. There's a way for me to get it done sooner, but it requires me going to Australia for three months and leaving my family. So (laughs) I'm not a big fan of, of, of doing that. Um, regardless of, of, of how kind and, and respectful the studio is, unless I was in a position where I had to, I love being a dad. It's the reason I walked away from the business in the first place. However, there are moments where I'm like, you know what? They could come for the summer, (laughs) you know, we could get it done and then I can get these cats in the ring. So my goal, I don't know how long I want the show to be yet. I think I want a two hour show, at least in the beginning. I doubt I'll have a TV contract right away. It's very difficult to maintain ownership and get a TV deal. In the beginning like that, if you're established, they can come in and license you or buy a portion of you, but you'll still be in control. So if I started off as live shows and I film it, by the way, if you want to know if I'm serious, I already purchased a used light kit that was an arena kit used, even used. These mugs is expensive, but I want this to look legit. So it's literally sitting in my storage unit because my man was like, yo, this dude's selling it at a really good price if you want to get in on this. So I did. I think I want to start it as a two hour show. I wanted my storylines based in reality. I want to give the women and the men equal time on the roster. And then the goal is to bring the show to television. And I mentioned this on Ariel's podcast, but it's important to me, so I'm going to say it again. And I want it to be a SAG show. And what that means is I want it to be a union show, which would mean each and every single one of my wrestlers would be a member of the Screen Actors Guild and be entitled to all the insurance and medical benefits and retirement plans that that entails. Now, I will say this. The Screen Actors Guild is not the best union. All right. There's a reason every CBA, they lose more and more actors should not be in charge of their own union. Most actors are far too sensitive to be able to negotiate or to even be able to hire an insensitive lawyer. That's willing to be cutthroat producers. On the other hand, don't seem to have that issue. So although I love my man, Dulé Hill and his representation, I've been asked to run many a time and I don't think that would go well. It would turn into a TLC match very quickly. Um, but I'll always vote for Mr. Hill. Even though you talk trash on me about on Monday Night Raw, that was cold-blooded. But anyway, so the goal is to get them all unionized, right? Which is a big deal, which is something I I would support all wrestlers to go after. It won't happen under Vince's rule, but I believe when the WWE sells, that should be the very first thing that every single wrestler should have on the forefront of their of their goal list is unionized. Day one, They it should be a walkout. The day... The day they sell the company, the day they sell it to whoever new ownership is, every wrestler should be like, good luck. We want unionization. And I'm telling you right now, and the only reason I'm saying this is because I had a conversation back in the day, and I know it to be true. Now, I don't know if it would still be in effect, but I'll tell you the conversation I had. Um, Rest in peace, Bernie Martin. He was a United States Marine, and he was a local, I don't remember which which part of the teamsters union he, uh, he rep, but he was a teamster and he was my driver, my wife's driver, a bunch of other actors. He was just the best, one of the best men I knew. And I was talking to him one night about professional wrestling. And uh, he asked if they were unionized. And I said, no, he said, I want to introduce you to a buddy of mine named John. I didn't know John was the head of the teamsters union at the time. Um, he may still be, I don't know if he's alive. This is, a very long time ago, over a decade ago. And uh, he said, you should talk to some of the wrestlers there and let them know that if they did have interest in unionizing, Teamsters would support that and absorb them, bring them in, which would be insane. Now that's good for the Teamsters, right? Because they get more union dues and it's a group of workers that would never compete for any job that a Teamster has. So there's no risk for the Teamsters. It's all reward. The wrestlers reward, is the benefits of insurance, health, medical, that kind of stuff, so they don't have to be self-insured anymore, right? And then they also get power in negotiation. A Teamster lawyer just does, does not have time, nor are they impressed by any executive anywhere, any suit on the planet. Like, they're just not having it. So the wrestlers I talked to all told me the same thing. They're like, that's never going to happen. I said, why? They said, because Triple H wouldn't go for it. And uh, and they're right. And literally, that's what every single wrestler said. So that's why I think when the sale comes and then it literally is someone else's property, that's when wrestlers need to be like, hey, let's start thinking about our future and, and union. So I hope you guys do. But if you don't, this could maybe be a model one day, you know, three, four, five years, six years from now, where they go, holy crap, these effers are actually pulled that off, man. That's crazy. So that's... I mean, that's the big of it. I'm, I'm legit. I got, an, I got an email on Monday. Yesterday, uh, this is a Tuesday we're recording. On Monday, I got an email with three listings that I was already, one, two of them were, were nonsense. But one of them actually looked pretty good. It was a no at the end of the day, but it actually looked pretty good. So I'm looking in different parts of town. I don't have a name yet. It's not going to be the Federation. It's, I want it to be reality-based. I'd call it West Coast Wrestling, but there's already a WCW, so I can't do that. But I'll figure something out. I'm down to hear your thoughts. If you guys can come up with a cool name, then uh then yeah, of course I say that. And then in the Instagram post that everybody might call it Scooby, Scooby Dooby Wrestling. <laughs> no, I want it based in reality. So while you may think that witty joke is is a good joke, I would remind you that Ricky Gervais said wit is the lowest form of humor. Um so bite your tongue or break your finger before you crack that joke. Now even more people do it. Um, but yeah, I serious, for real though, if you think you have a cool name for it, I'll give you credit. Might even give you a couple bucks for it. You can uh, what you claim the domain name and hold it hostage from me. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's the goal. I want women's and men's wrestling. I want the storylines based in reality. I want my wrestlers to be unionized performers and yeah man I just want to make good wrestling I don't I don't it's not a dream it it's a plan and it will be a reality my only thing is how quickly can I pull it off and at what sacrifice I've said this before wrestling requires a hundred percent of you to do it right regardless of what side of the the camera you're on it's one of the reasons I wouldn't go back to WWE I couldn't give them hundred percent can't travel all over. But if I had a local show in Los Angeles and an office that I could go to every day and I would have a booker because I cannot book to save my life, I can. but I can really write and I can connect with people and I can pull good performances out of people when their bosses didn't think that performance was within them before. I know I can do that because I've seen it happen. I know what my strengths are. I, I damn well know what I suck at. I was told what I suck at enough. So yeah, so that's that's the plan. I hope you guys support it. I hope you dig it. If you don't, you can be just as vocal because like I said, that stuff motivates me too. I want to make you eat it. Even if you don't want to admit it later on, you can go silent. It's just as satisfying as seeing you go, hey man, right on. I was wrong. You pulled that off. So uh, so yeah, so that's that's the episode today. No past, no no present, only the future. And I think the future for wrestling is bright. I think this is a about to be a huge rebirth for wrestling once this especially once the sale goes through. And they will find a buyer for it and they will sell the company. And once that happens, I think wrestling's really going to explode and just take on a whole new life. And I hope it goes back more old school because art usually go moves in cycles, right? In a circle. And it, it's constantly evolving, but eventually it has to get back to an idea that existed before that then inspires a new movement. It happens with with painting, with movies, with fashion, with sculpture. It happens with comedy. It happens with wrestling, too. So that's today's episode. I appreciate you guys listening. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, on behalf of myself, my awesome producer, Alexis, we thank you for listening. We'll see you next week right here on Wrestling with Freddie. Peace. This has been a production of iHeart's Michael Cultura Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
4: Tengo diabetes.
0: Yo,
2: asma. Estamos, Estamos en riesgo, riesgo de, de, contraer de contraer la
4: neumonía neumocócica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocócica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la Prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prednant20enEspañol.com.